When we're talking about waiting on the Lord, we're really talking to most of us. In fact, have you ever really considered how much of our lives we spend waiting, waiting for something? Waiting comes in all kinds of forms and sizes. Having recently waited for the arrival of two grandchildren, my wife and I have concluded nine months really does seem like a long time. Uh, we ordered a new sofa, and it was supposed to be here in eight weeks, and it came in six months. Very frustrating. The church patio, if you noticed, uh, it was started last spring. It was supposed to be absolute, the ultimate far out date would be August. It's still in process almost a year later. Uh, have you ever made an appointment with a doctor and it takes six months to get one? Then when you get to the office with the appointment, it's still 45 minutes or longer to get in. Um, sometimes that waiting room is filled with exasperation. Or have you ever made a reservation at a restaurant? And you walk in and it's packed. And even with your reservation, you wait 45 minutes. And then there's a red light in Menlo Park down at Valparaiso in El Camino. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always hit it dead wrong. It's just, I'm the, you know, the car has just, all of them have just moved out. So I get stopped for that light. I think it lasts 10 minutes. I get so frustrated at that one light. I'd like to change it. Anyway. <laughs> The point is, most of us today are waiting for something, and there's all kinds of waiting, but I want to talk specifically about one kind of waiting. And this is, this is sort of serious, and that is, it's waiting upon God. And in a culture that almost worships instant gratification, waiting upon God is not an easy task. Many of us are enduring the discipline of waiting upon God when he has put us on hold and there's only dead silence, no response. And, and we think we have a desperate need and we don't understand his delay. Our text tells us that a major ingredient of what it means to have faith in God is to be willing to wait in faith upon his timing and his methods. His time frame doesn't always agree with ours. And to trust him, to have faith in him, to wait upon him means that we don't try to control when or how he meets our needs. And that's key for high control people like most of us. David made this confession about waiting upon the Lord. He said, I waited patiently upon the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. For those of you waiting upon God today, there's one thing I want you to take home with you, and that is that God has heard your prayer. He hears your cry. He knows what's going on, and he's in process of meeting your need. And knowing that, let's visit again what the Bible teaches about waiting upon the Lord. And first, waiting is what it means to live by faith. Hebrews 11, I call the hall of fame of biblical heroes. And it's a, a long description of men and women who waited in faith for interventions from God, as described in our text. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. These heroes were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised. Now, reflect on that a minute. Isn't it interesting? that faith is being certain of what we do not see, and all of these people who were great in God's sight didn't receive what they were waiting for. What a paradox. And yet what made them great 
was that they were willing to wait in faith without the answers they expected. That made them great in God's sight. That's the essence of what it means to trust God. Faith, you see, involves not only waiting upon the Lord for what we want. It really implies that next step of accepting answers, his answers, that might be different from those we expected. And that's where waiting really gets tough. Waiting in faith is rooted in that absolute confidence that our loving God is directing a very unique course for our lives and it has nothing to do with anybody else's life. Isaiah makes it so personal about God's concern for you in a verse that I, I really love. It says, I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And that's a Hebrew way of expressing intimacy that we have with God or that he has with us. We're as close as the palm of his hand. He's thinking about us all the time. He hasn't forgotten, even if in our waiting period, sometimes we think he has. Now, I would offer skeptics have a very difficult time even imagining that a God exists who is so personal that he cares about your struggle and enters into your heartache and he takes all your disappointments and he weaves them into a perfect pattern. And that's exactly what the Bible says our God is like. He's a God so personal. Every one of us are special. We're unique in his sight. Now, waiting in faith when we can't see the outcome, accepting answers different from what we expected, that does not have to be a trauma. It can be an adventure. Waiting doesn't have to cause you pain if we can move from wanting it our way to accepting it God's way, and then it becomes kind of a time of expectancy, of waiting. Okay, God, this is what I want, but what have you got in mind? I can hardly wait and see. Oswald Chambers claims that many of us are stressed as believers because we fail to remember that we have an almighty God, an all-wise God, one for whom nothing is impossible a God who works best in the cul-de-sacs of our impossibility, in the graveyards of our dreams. And he's a God who has a way of arriving with unexpected interventions that can, if we would, replace our fear and our desperation with strength to go on, with joy and optimism. That's how we should be live, living. That's what it means to live by faith. An elder told us of how he was on his back for 51 days with a broken hip following a bicycle accident. Upon reflection, as he looks back on that time, he realized that time spent in bed was not wasted time. It not only brought healing to his body, but it deepened his relationship with God to something he had never known before that time when he was set apart and had often nothing left but God to turn to. This brings to my mind the metaphor used by Isaiah of the eagle, that beautiful verse where he said he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. And those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run. They won't be weary. They'll walk. They'll not faint. To hope in the Lord or to wait on the Lord are really the same thing. And, and if you're in the waiting room, uh, a God's waiting room today, it's, there's a potential. And that is that you can find strength you never dreamed was there. Isaiah uses the metaphor of the eagle who soars on the thermals of God. I told you once in a sermon, an eagle will ride a thermal up to 25,000 feet and come back with ice on his wings. And he goes up that high effortlessly because he's riding an invisible thermal. And Isaiah wants us to see that although we can't see God 
behind the scenes. We don't know what he's doing. He's there. He's working. And that invisible thermal, if we trust it by faith, that he's working out his plan, can lift us, help us soar while we wait, rather than be in the pit of depression and despair. We can live fully while we wait. That's what God wants us to do. There's many heroes in this chapter 11 of Hebrews. One is Joseph. You remember his story? It's a wonderful story on waiting. Originally, he was the favorite son of, his, of, of 12 brothers, and his father gave him that coat of many colors. And he said, you know, they're all good, but you're the best. And one day you're going to rule over your brothers. And he started out with a huge ego. And then one day his brothers sold him into slavery. And he was in Egypt and served one of the captains of Egypt and his wife made a move on him. He, he went God's way instead of the wife's way and for, for, for his obedience, he was thrown into prison. And for years, he sat in that hopeless, dark prison, nothing happening, God was silent. And then suddenly, God intervened. And almost overnight, day, uh, Joseph became commander of all Egypt. And his brothers did come and worship him and serve him. And ultimately, if you trace the story of Joseph, he was used to save what became the Jewish nation. You see, that's just one little inkling out of Hebrews 11 of what God does for those who wait. There's always a purpose. So again, the point, as believers, we're called upon to wait. That's part of life. We're called to endure difficult, impossible situations where the only thing we can do is wait. And maybe that's where you're caught today. There's, it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do but wait. But that's not wasted time. And upon later reflection, I guarantee you, you will see God's hand at work in your circumstances. So I would offer you as a first truth from the text, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because God's trustworthy. And he wants us to trust him. Then secondly, while we wait, faith enables us to live and not simply exist. And I think this is so important. David describes it this way as I take some liberty in the translation. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard, finally heard my cry and he, he lifted me out of the slimy pit filled with my despair and my hopelessness. And he set my feet on a rock of certainty that God was at work in my behalf. And he even gave me a new song to sing, a song of praise in expectancy of what God was going to do regarding that for which I'm waiting. Trusting God while we wait protects us from falling into this pit, this mire of self-pity and bitterness, attitudes that make life like a prison with no light and no joy. Let me tell you what I mean. I wonder how many of you today have put your life on hold until you get what you think you can't live without, until God comes through. Maybe you said to God, you know, I'm not going to live fully until I get out of school or I get that job or until I'm married or until I have a child or until we purchase that home or until we achieve that goal or take that dream vacation or until I regain my health or until God fixes my family or until I retire and you could finish the list. We're all waiting for something. Is your life on hold saying, I can't be complete until God comes through? I'll tell you something that I think is true as the Bible. If we are not fully alive today, nothing that happens tomorrow will make us more alive. How many times, reflect on me with me for a moment, how many times have we achieved or purchased 
or experience the dream come true. How many times have we got that thing for which we waited only in a very short time to find ourselves restlessly waiting for a new dream? You see the point, there's nothing in this life that's going to satisfy us beside God himself. What we're really waiting for is for God and an intimate relationship with him. And if we're waiting for anything else to the point that we make an idol or a God out of it, and that means if we're waiting for anything that we think will make our life more complete than it is today, we've made a God out of it and we will be disappointed. The only thing that will make our life complete is our, our Lord Jesus Christ and we have him today. That's the key to waiting. So I would offer that one primary reason we Christians can get on with living while we wait is that we know God's plan for us will be validated over the long haul. The psalmist says it so well. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. That's his word for you today. So, you see, we Christians, while we wait, we don't have to just sit passively. We don't put our life on hold. There's all kinds of things we can do while we wait that make life worth living, like on a Sunday morning we can count our blessings that we have today, get our focus off what we think will make our life complete, and count today and lift songs of praise to God today for his goodness. That pulls us out of the pit. And then while we wait, we can enjoy our Lord's presence. Now, I, I don't know what that means to you, but like the elder who was 51 days in bed, he discovered that the thing he needed most was a relationship with God. And I wonder if you realize that's in back of the hungers in your heart that are driving you to wait for things. We were made for an intimate relationship with God. And anything that drives us to that is worth the wait. And I, so while you're waiting, a gift we often miss is that your time spent in God's waiting room gives you a chance to have an intimacy with Him. You're forced to lean on Him. You, you, you go to Him every day. You cry out to Him every day. And that's what He likes because that's what you and I were made for. And waiting does that. And then we can believe God, good things are happening to our character while we wait. You know, that's hard to believe when we hurt. But most of the traits of spiritual growth that we will take into eternity have been carved into us, molded into us through the hard times in life. I don't think we grow too much spiritually in good times because we don't really need God in those times. I think most of the stuff we take with us into eternity that make us who we are forever is those moments when we were in absolute dependence upon God and found that he was enough. So while we wait, we can get on with living. Life is too short. Don't waste a moment putting your life on hold saying, I'll start living when. Live today. And then you'll live tomorrow if God gives you what you're waiting for. Finally, waiting in faith enables us to accept the reality that God doesn't always come with answers we expected. And I think this is the toughest part of waiting and it's also the, the most real. Our text states all these people were still living by faith when they died. And they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. To wait and not get the answers we expected has to be rooted in a faith that our God is absolutely trustworthy even 
beyond the grave. Uh, even when his plan doesn't meet our expectations. Even when his plan requires us to walk through long periods of darkness and there is no relief. And even when he doesn't catch us in a free fall and we crash. That's the hardest of all. What do we do when God doesn't seem to have come through? I, I can tell you this after years of knowing the Lord that our God has a way of showing up at places of disappointment, huge disappointment. And after the nick of time has come and gone, and after hope has turned into despair, and after the unthinkable has become the reality, God has a way of showing up. And somehow we discover he's enough that we can pass the breaking point and not break. We get knocked down, but as Paul says, we're not knocked out. We get up again and keep going. Two choir members have been watching a loved one stricken at an early age deteriorate in an ICU unit for the last 45 days. They've been by her bedside, and Tuesday we were praying for her, and Tuesday night she died. They're being forced today to trust God's involvement in this tragedy of waiting while the answers that they wanted were not given in this life. She was too young to die. But you see, that's the meaning of faith. In Hebrews 11, the old heroes accepted the fact that who were they? Aliens and strangers on earth. That this world wasn't their final home. And knowing they had a future in heaven, their dreams and fulfillment didn't have to come in this life. And let me tell you, this is the hardest thing for modern uh, believers to accept. I don't think many of us think of ourselves as aliens and strangers in this world. Our world is so seductive that we, we really believe if it's going to happen, it has to happen in this life and before I get too old to enjoy it. Unlike our medieval uh, forefathers and mothers, maybe we don't think enough about heaven. I don't think modern Christians, you and I, really consider ourselves aliens and strangers. And that's why we're so frantic of having to have every dream and every need and every want fulfilled now. Because we don't think much that God has all eternity to give us what he knows we need. What a gift to have the Lord give us a faith so deep that we can say to our God, God, I don't understand your delays. I hurt ter terribly. But I do believe someday you're going to make sense out of this darkness that right now just seems hopeless. And meanwhile, I trust you. You see, whether God grants or denies our dreams, he does so only as part of a larger plan for you and for me, a unique plan. And his plan is to save us and to develop a character that we're going to carry forever. And for each one of us, it's a different journey. So back to the beginning. As Christians, we're called upon to wait for many things. A major ingredient of life is waiting. And waiting in faith means submitting to the reality that where we are right now is where God wants us to be right now. And that with God's help, we can bloom where we're planted. And then to keep in mind, there's an eternal purpose to our waiting that one day will be revealed. No eye has seen, says the Bible, no ear has heard, and no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You believe that? I do. And I believe that God brought some of us here today 
so that we might get a bigger picture of our life and our destiny and our desires and the things for which we wait. I heard an interesting story this week of a dear friend who passed away, I think it was Wednesday night, and um, the last thing she said to her husband, moments before she slipped into eternity, was, honey, turn the television down, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And I thought, what an interesting thing, <laughs> that um, she turned off the world because she knew where she was going. And I think sometimes in our waiting, we just have to be willing to turn off the stuff that's going to be sort of secondary someday and get the big picture of what's coming. Because eye hasn't seen or ear heard, hasn't even entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for, for us who love him. So let's get our eyes on what's really up ahead. Then we can handle the stuff that maybe we aren't getting today. So maybe you're here today to find encouragement. And I'm going to give you a time of silent prayer where we might take to God this load, this anguish, or whatever you have regarding waiting and give it to him and ask for the miracle that beginning now we can start living by faith and give him control of the outcome of anything for which we wait. That's a good way to live. Let's go to silent prayer. Lord, thank you that it's really true that those of us who wait upon you will renew our strength and will mount up with wings like eagles and will run and not be weary and will walk and not faint. And I pray for each one of us here today with whatever agenda we're carrying that you might pull us out of the pit and help us get on with life and to go out with new joy and expectancy, not staking our life on that for which we wait, but staking it on you and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.